This is What's In with Olaplex. I'm your host, Danielle Frank. Together, we break down all things beauty, health, and wellness and discuss not just what's out, but also what's in. Today, I have breathwork facilitator and transformational coach, Jamila Reddy, joining me as my guest host to talk about what's out with 2023 and what's in with 2024. As a mindfulness educator, Jamila has been helping people live in alignment and achieve their full dreams for over six years. Together, we're going to reflect on our personal experiences with resolutions, figuring out what we're leaving behind and what intentions we're setting in the new year. And if you enjoy the show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And follow us on social media at What's In Podcast. Hi, Jamila. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I am dying to get your perspective on this. Like, what is your feelings about New Year's resolutions? Like, do you set them? I do set them. So my birthday is actually December 31st. And Ah. so as a birthday tradition, I usually do some intention setting for the year ahead. And I think as many of us do, I have a complicated relationship to resolutions. And my background is in writing, so I'm very into words. And so I love looking up the etymology of words and understanding the sort of history of language that we use. And in the word resolution, the root word of of solution is solve. And so it setting resolutions implies, I think sometimes, that there's a problem to be solved, which I think mm. can complicate our relationship to the vision or to the goal that we're holding when we think of it as a problem to solve. So whenever I'm setting resolutions or guiding folks through resolution setting, I always encourage folks to identify what do you want more of? What goodness do you want to magnify and amplify? What is the sort of like deliciousness that you're trying to enhance as opposed to like what's not working and how do you fix it? (laughs) So, See, I feel like that's a much healthier way of looking at it where with me, I would set New Year's resolutions. I love New Year's resolutions, but I don't always necessarily keep them. So right. I started to do them like a couple of, maybe a month or two early, maybe like around Thanksgiving time, because I started to think I was jinxed, so, <laughs> which is probably not as, you know, intellectual <laughs> for sure. Um, I don't think I was actually jinxed, but like I started maybe getting this mindset that if I was reflecting on the things that I really wanted to accomplish without feeling the pressure of there's a date coming up. I had more time to reflect and really take my time to think about what is it that I really wanted to bring into the new year. So resolutions are complicated because, you know, if you start reflecting on all the stuff that you didn't accomplish, yes, that's where it gets not good. And to your point, a way that I approach New Year's resolutions is that you know, typically we write down what we want to accomplish, like you said, or the things we want to do. And so instead of making lists of all the things we want to do, I like to make a list of all the ways I want to feel. So I make a feelings goals list. So 
I write, this year, I intend to feel powerful, grounded, embodied, magical, supported, connected, at ease, joyful. And then based on that list, I identify what are some of the things that support me feeling these feelings. So because at the root or at the heart of everything we want to do, there's a feeling. We want to do breathwork and meditation so we can feel at peace, so we can feel grounded, so we can feel centered. We want to eat better so we can feel energized, so we can feel nourished. And so focusing on the feeling as opposed to the doing sort of helps me get to the heart and remember in the pursuit of the goal, remember the why. It's like, oh, it's not, it's not the external thing that is important to me. It's the way having that thing or doing that thing is going to make me feel. But I also think like in setting those intentions, sometimes that can almost be limiting for some people. I mean, going by feelings, I feel like that is limitless. But a lot of times when we get a little bit too specific, we're so stuck on that is the route. That is the way to get to our end result. And it doesn't leave open serendipity. Like suddenly something presents itself that you're like, oh, that's going to get me there. Do you find that's like very true? Like a lot of people, and then they wind yes. up feeling bad about themselves. Like I'm going to exercise four times a week right, in order to be fit. Like I'm going to be fit this year and this is how I'm going to do it. And then mm. when you don't follow through on that methodology, suddenly you're like a piece of garbage. Yeah. I mean, the attachment to the path, to the how is so real and so resonant And Mm. something that I've started sort of offering up a prayer, which is this or something better, just as an acknowledgement that like my imagination has limits, like you said, limitations. So I'm like, oh, here's what I think. I think it would be great to do this. And then I'm like, this or something better. My mom says that. This or something better. And it's so funny because it's very hard for me. Like I'm a planner. (laughs) Me too, actually. Like I, I like to have all my ducks in a row. And if I, if I did not hit one of those ducks, like, oh my gosh, it is like so upsetting to me. And I've been trying to really let go of that and be a little bit more open to the fact that there could be something more or a different path or a route and maybe not, maybe be a little more loose. Like, do you find that with your clients and people that you're working with, do you feel like they, that's like a thing? Because I feel like it's a thing. It's absolutely a thing. And what I find is that we have to keep ourselves current. And so the Jamila that set a goal in January of 2022 is not the Jamila speaking with you today. And so the, having to sort of check in, a lot of what I do with my clients is say, let's just do, let's just do a check-in. Are, are these goals feeling resonant for the current version of you, the you you are today. So that's sort of constant checking in with, you know, where am I going? And is that still, you know, is that something that matters to me currently? Or is that a priority? Because sometimes life comes at you. And so the priorities shift throughout the year and we choose to sort of focus on different things. And then, like you said, there's the like, the self-deprecation when we sort of get off the path that we've planned for ourselves 
when sometimes that's actually the most appropriate and self-compassionate thing to do is to pivot a little bit or to go with the flow. It's funny because you were saying how your birthday is on December 31st. Like mine is in March. So in a weird way, I have, it sounds so very corporate, but I have quarterly check-ins on whether or not, A, I'm working towards my goals, um, my personal goals, but also, is it still relevant? Because sometimes life just, even in three months, life can change so significantly that it's not even relevant in my life anymore. Or I accomplished it and like, do I want to just go, okay, I can sit back and do nothing now. Right, right. I saw this, this quote recently that said, you know, take it with a grain of salt. If it, if it lands, keep it. If it doesn't, toss it out. But it was, the more I healed, the less ambitious I became. And I've found <laughs> that the 20 year old me, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And like, I had big, big, big dreams. And not to say that my dreams, I still have big dreams, but what's so important to me is like feeling good kind of more days than not feeling like myself, feeling calm. I get this so much. You know, do you find that that's the case for you? Is that you sort of like, taking goals off the list somehow feels empowering? In a weird, well, okay. So as somebody that makes checklists, because I have ADHD, so I have to make a list in the morning. So, cause for me, one, it keeps me on task, but that crossing off something on the list mm. makes me feel like, even if I don't get everything on the list, if I can cross off something, put on makeup, wash your face, you know, make your bed, eat food, <laughs> but also have those bigger tasks on there. So in in many ways, I do like to have that checklist of things that I'm trying to accomplish. However, you know, at 51, I'm only learning that it is not the destination, it is the journey. And that if I am writing down a list and having an expectation that I'll have fulfillment from that destination, that's not what's giving me the fulfillment. The fulfillment is the lessons learned to get to that destination. And that that is not the end goal. There is more beyond that. And so that is something that I have learned more recently than when I was younger, uh, because I've accomplished some things that I worked really hard for. And then you're like, no, what? <laughs> Right now, what? And I came to realize it is a feeling. It's it's that feeling that you're getting and the doors of of possibilities being opened that now what was closed off to you before, you didn't even see it. It was there, the opportunities, but you didn't see it because you haven't gone through the journey to learn. Mm -hmm. So now I really love the journey more than the destination. With that being said, because I don't want to like ruin this here, but I want to talk about what's out about New Year's resolutions, especially in 2023, because I all did a lot of this in 2023, but it is really being stuck on that end destination without recognizing that maybe you are thinking too small. Maybe there's something bigger. What are your thoughts about that? I think 
there's always room. There's always room for something bigger. And I love to be in collaboration with whether you believe in God or spirit or the universe. But I like to, you know, I call myself a lifestyle designer. My life is my art and I'm collaborating on this endeavor. This is a co-creation with not just myself, but like, you know, the forces. A higher power. higher powers. And so, you know, it's like, this is my idea. What's yours? You know, that sort of openness to possibilities that exist beyond what my what my mind can conceive. And then of course, the surrender. Even I'm like, I don't even want to say the word sometimes because I'm like, I'm tired. I'm tired of surrendering. I'm so done. <laughs> but it, the continual process and practice of surrendering, which is just releasing attachment to the outcome, releasing attachment to the plan, softening into the present moment, being able to sort of show up and say, this is what it is in this moment. This is what it is. And I'm here. I'm I'm available for it. That surrendering is, is I think, part of goal setting, part of ambition as well. Are you like getting in my head? Because this is creepy. (laughs) No, it's very interesting. I have had some goals this year and recognizing I'm fighting, fighting, fighting for something. And there's certain things you can control. Other things you can't. You can control yourself. You can control your reaction. You can control a lot of things when it comes to yourself. Outside forces you can't control. So you're struggling against something that you have no control over. And that understanding that sometimes you just have to surrender not and that's not defeat that's the difference i thought surrendering is giving up mm. like as in you know what we see in the in war like the white flag i surrender you won it's not a you won or you know the world won against you and i'm defeated it is i surrender and Perhaps the way I'm handling things are not what's going to get there. And when I let that go and just allow what's coming in, suddenly, again, the the opportunities present itself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, this is something that I've only just recently came into because I don't like to surrender, like as in I don't like to admit defeat, but it's not defeat. It's different. You know, it's not defeat. It's a course correction. And, and thinking as you know, if you are the artist and your life is your masterpiece, you have permission at any moment to switch your style, to make an edit. You know, it's like the book ain't over till it's over. And so as long as you're alive, if you're like, you know what, this character was like following this trajectory, but actually plot twist, like it's a plot twist. It's just like, it's an edit, it's a redesign. And so I think anytime I'm able to course correct, I think of that as a win. And it's that takes some a reframing and reprogramming, you know, to be like, I'll give a personal example. So I I quit my one and only full-time salary job to pursue my passion. And that in the moment felt good, it felt resonant, I felt liberated, right? And I wanted the freedom, I wanted the flexibility. And then I realized actually working by myself for myself is really hard, really hard. Having 
precarious and unpredictable income is really stressful. So I had this story that, oh, solopreneurship is going to give me the feelings of freedom, flexibility, when in reality, it actually was a really big source of stress and anxiety for me. And so there was a part of me that felt like I failed. Like, man, I, I, you know, if I, if I get, you know, another job or if I do something more traditional, then I failed. When really it's like as so long as I'm honoring my well-being and my joy, so long as my choices get me closer to my well-being and my joy, there is no failure. There can never be failure. If, if a pivot puts me closer, allows me to be more holistically well with more ease and connects me to my joy. And like you said, those things that give you the spark, it's like, I just can't, I can't see failure in it. I'm like, a win is a win. <laughs> a win is a win. Do you feel like going into solopreneurship that you were almost meant to go through that? Like you needed to go through that so that you could see, okay, this isn't the path. Now find another path. Because that is the interesting, and I'm sure there's a famous person that said it, but it's something my mom says that the universe has every single thing that I could possibly want. They're just holding on to it. They're just waiting for me to get the heck out of my own way. And a lot of getting out of my own way is learning the lessons and going through a journey so I can identify this works for me, that doesn't work for me. And we, again, I want to talk about what's out, that perfection, that I have to do it the right way. And again, it's like I set a goal and these are the steps I have to take. And if I don't succeed taking those steps, let's say you take those steps and you don't succeed, then this isn't meant for me. Mm. Instead of looking at it as you were meant to go through that so you realize that is not the path you're supposed to take. That's right. Or that that was the path you took and now there's a new path. I try to really honor like all of the past versions of myself. I'm like, wow, that version of me really did what she needed to do to get me here. It's like passing the baton. And so it's not that it was the wrong path. It's that it was the right path for a different version of me. And in this version of me, the one with the lessons, then there's more paths available. So it's not that it was wrong. It's that that was the best path for me at that time. And now there's a different path. It's a new path. It is interesting because you sit there and think there are like a dozen different Jamilas that have been living on this planet. Yes. There's been a dozen different Daniels as well. Because I can honestly say the Danielle of her 20s and 30s is definitely not like the Danielle of now. Different mindset, different experiences. And I got to say thank you for saying we should honor what they went through because that set us to the next step to a new person. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit more about like what's out Like, do you have any kind of like things that people do for New Year's resolutions that you're like, please just stop? (laughs) Yes. Rushing is out. Urgency culture is out. I think there's a huge awakening 
around how much we've been pushing ourselves and how over capacity we've been functioning collectively. And so what's out is like rushing, like you said, to the destination. And to me, urgency feels harsh. It feels harsh. It feels prickly in my body. It doesn't feel peaceful. It doesn't feel good. I've never been rushing and then been like, that was amazing. <laughs> it's funny because we do live in a culture of productivity. Yes. Productivity, productivity, productivity. We have to produce. We have to produce. And I don't know what it's contributing in the long run. Like I feel as though the greatest contributions I've put out in my life was when it was not focused on productivity. It was focused on emotional touch points. It was focused on loving, which I know sounds really cornball, guys. I know that sounds cornball, but regardless of who it is, whether it be a friend, a family member, or a complete stranger, that the greatest accomplishments I've made was focused on that instead of, I have to run on this treadmill to keep on going because I am only worthy and valued. Uh, my value is really attached to producing results on things. I think that's like a big thing that I'm seeing shifting over now. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are exhausted from producing. Yes. And always rushing to the next thing. I think a hyper fixation with what's next, what's better, how can I fix I'm it? I'm always running towards thing. I'm slowing down. Yes. <laughs> slowing down, slowing down. So I think, yeah, what's out is like rushing and urgency. I mean, this might be, this might be touchy. I'm like, <laughs> that's okay. We like touchy. I might cancel clear, delete this thought, but I think that overconsumption is out. You're saying this on a podcast, Jamila. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> How about being picky about our consumption? Yes. My, yes. I think autopilot consumption, let's just not even say overconsumption, autopilot, just the sort of default. Yes. There's always, you know, always entertainment. There's always getting more things. You know, there's a list of things that I need. I need this new. I always have a list of like things that would make my life better, my house better, my wardrobe better, my skin better, my, you know, all of it. Like there's always a list of things. And I think that, of course, there are things that can enhance our well-being, right? Like sometimes material things actually deeply contribute to our well-being and our sense of, of enjoyment. It's like there are some mm -hmm. things that actually, like it brings me joy to have this thing, like having plants, right? I had to buy them. <laughs> I had to buy the I pots. I might have a plethora. I kind of get that. You know, <laughs> so there's like, there are some things we buy that do, I think, contribute to a sense of joy and well-being. But I think the idea that once I get the thing, then I'll be happy or worthy, sort of attaching the worthiness or the joy to the acquisition of a thing, I think is out. It's funny. To the first point, like the overconsumption and whether it be something material or just what we're bringing into our lives. Like we all know doom scrolling. I've done it. I may have been doing it last night because um, I am someone that will go down the rabbit yeah. hole sometimes on TikTok. I mean, I understand sometimes it, it is a, a way of decompressing, um, but I feel as though it 
almost becomes addictive and it's something that you have to like tamp down to a certain degree. That might be one of the things I would like to work on next year. Mm. Not this year. I'm going to just keep on doing it until the very end of the year. But <laughs> we've got a little more time we of do. doom scrolling. We do. But I think that all of it is very con- connected, like yeah. everything from the consumerism. And like I said, I don't have a problem with there being stuff out there that you want to purchase that like, you know, you feel good having it. Yeah. it it's a self-care thing, all that. But in the same breath, it's sometimes becomes a little bit like throwaway, almost like a throwaway culture kind of thing. And, yes. and it almost like we're searching for something yes. outside of ourselves to satisfy that craving for something. Um, a lot of times it's just not necessary. That's right. So I'm not speaking from experience. <laughs> Again, I've heard. I'm just saying, like, just like doom scrolling, all of a sudden, like there might be a day or two where I might have been on the Amazon app a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going, why are all these packages showing up on my doorstep? Mm-hmm. It Part of it is that I will stop and go, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not in the sense of I'm spending too much money, but I'm thinking more about well, how am I feeling about myself Right. that I got stuff that really, do I need this? Yeah. Do I need this? Like I can understand things that you need, but like, or not even need, but like use. Yes. But sometimes you didn't need it. Right. When I moved into my, my, this house that I currently live in, I mean, I had like Pinterest boards and tagged, you know, folders on Insta of like all of the things that I was going to buy, all of the things I wanted, the, you know, this beautiful table, this lamp that had artists, artwork. And I was so focused on what was missing and what I didn't have that when I finally, you know, I got to a point where I said, you know what, when is the moving in going to be over? I just finally said, you know what, I'm just going to pause. I'm just going to settle in. I feel like I I got the, you know, not the bare minimum, but the things that I felt like I needed for the space to feel like home. And then I made a, a, a choice to just pause. And when I was no longer looking for what was missing, surprise, surprise, I was able to focus more on like, oh, I love the things that I have. I appreciate this beautiful thing that I have and that I, my, my mind was kind of, I had blinders on. I wasn't really able to appreciate the beautiful things that I already had because I was so focused on collecting more beautiful things. So I think there's room, you know, when, when we are, when we, we, when we, when overconsumption goes out, what we have space to bring in is gratitude and appreciation for what we already have. And I think this really is a great segue for us to talk about what's in, in 2024, as we move on to a brand new year, like what is in? And I think that really circles it back because a lot of people have been very stressed. 2023 is a rough year. Rough. A lot of people are trying very hard to stay on top of things. And it's really easy to sit there and think about all the things you don't have. Like I, I've been very candid. Like I've been through it, like in my life where we had virtually nothing at one point in our lives, you know, on food stamps, on social services. And 
it wasn't until I started to do my gratitude practice every single morning, walking my dog Penny, just saying thank you for like really stupid stuff because I wasn't feeling it. Right. <laughs> I wasn't feeling, I faked it for a little while. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I loved my kids and I was grateful for them. But sure. like when you're thinking everything's miserable, it didn't sound very convincing, but I said it uh, until like maybe a week or two later as I'm doing it, suddenly when I said it, I realized I really mean that. Yeah. You know, I feel that. Like it's not that I didn't really mean it before. Mm. I think it's that I felt it. And when you start to be grounded in the gratitude for the wonderful things you do have in your life, and I do think every single person has something, whether it be the air that we breathe, the gorgeous sunrises and sunsets, the gifts of just nature, I'm grateful for it, that when we are looking at stuff, we can be open to the abundance of everything in a weird way. Yeah, you want to spend money on something. You're so grateful for the things that you have. You just feel like, okay, you know what? I can because that belongs along with my other things that I'm grateful for. And I'm going to love it and appreciate it. And I'm going to call it George and hug it and squeeze it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like I, I have found with that practice even now when I do have so much abundance that I don't bring things in normally unless it's adding to that, I'm going to look at it every day and be like, I love it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. If I don't love it, I'm not, it's not coming in. That's right. And making choices from a sort of posture of abundance. So, you know, the things that I acquire from a place of lack or are not enoughness, very different from the things I acquire from a space of like, hmm, how might I, I'm like, what would make this even more you know, what would add, what would contribute, what would optimize and enhance the joy, beauty, and goodness all around me as opposed to something's missing and I, I need it to be fulfilled. So I, I like to sort of have a posture of what is a cherry on top. How would you incorporate that into a resolution? Like we can mm. look at it and say, oh, my resolution is to find gratitude in more things in our lives. But... As somebody who can be very goal-focused outside of those things, how can I incorporate that gratitude, that place of abundance, so to speak, in our lives with the things that we are aiming towards? My experience is that the more abundant I feel, the more generous I am. And the more generous I am, the more sense of purpose I have. And the deeper the sense of purpose I have, the happier I am. And so it's this beautiful dance of abundance and generosity that I like to think of. And this is an exercise I actually do with my students and clients is to think about how does me getting exactly what I want or something better, how does that benefit everyone? How does that benefit the people in my life? How does my joy ripple out? So when I am taken care of, what does that enable me to do? How does that enable me to show up in a generous way? And so I think that abundance can be a pathway to generosity, which is then it's so meaningful. I mean, one of the, one of the like five 
qualifications for human happiness and fulfillment is a sense of meaning. That's something that without mm-hmm. this sense of meaning or purpose, it's really hard to feel like life is, life feels good when you feel like what, you're not contributing, you know, you're not a part of the whole that feels there's a kind of a dissatisfaction or an emptiness or a disconnection. And so I love to think about how uh, my abundance might be a blessing to all, that it's not just mine, actually. It's that something that flows through me, that I'm the vessel for abundance, but it comes in, sort of touches down, and then I redistribute. I agree. And I feel as though in many ways, when we are making resolutions and stuff like that, if we're grounding it very much in how is this resolution, let's say, going to have that energy, so to speak, like you said, pass through you and be able to touch others. Because believe it or not, even something, let's say if a person was an entre- wanted to be an entrepreneur and they wanted to start their own business, part of that generosity is how is this going to contribute to, say, employees' lives? How am I going to be a good steward to that? How am I going to be able to pass on that abundance to others? And then it could be something as like, all right, let's say it's a little more self-centered, so to speak. And it's like, I want to be physically fit. How is that going to affect other people? You know what? I'm going to be able to pick up my kids. I'm going to be able to keep up with them. I'm going to be able to you know, assist a person in the parking lot that's having a hard time moving because they, you know, as senior citizens, something like that. I'm going to be able to be a good steward to others then it becomes a little bit more grounded in, like you said, purpose. And honestly, as much as I say I have purpose, and I get, again, I think a lot of people have different purposes in this world. In the long run, from the moment we are born, aside from the fact that we're fantastic the way we are, I honestly think our purpose is the whole, all of us. It was about I don't think I was put on this planet to like say I was going to be a millionaire or this or that, you know, whatever. Right. It means nothing. It means nothing. In the long run, they always say when you get to the end of your life, are you thinking about the job you didn't take or the whatever? It's about who loved me, who I loved back, what a f- impact I might have made on people's lives. Mm-hmm. Did I contribute? to society? Or did I just like eat it all up and like mm-hmm. puked it on the sidewalk? Like, <laughs> like, did I, did I actually contribute or did I create more chaos than there needs to be? So I think that when you are looking at the different resolutions that you're making, it's more than just looking at the satisfaction you have for yourself. Totally. How is it bringing out to everybody? Cause that will drive you more I personally think. Yes, absolutely agree. And I know that so many of us have judgment about what we want. Like it feels frivolous or selfish, or we've kind of been trained to separate wants from needs that- Particularly women. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Socialized. (laughs) Many women, myself included, have been socialized to accept the bare minimum. If it's beyond what I need to stay alive, 
then it's a little selfish to want it, to ask for it. If I don't need it, it feels a little icky to say like, do I really need this? There's a judgment about what we need. And one of the most helpful reframes that I've offered myself is that we have needs of the body and then we have needs of the soul or needs of the spirit. And there are some things that without which, no, we're not going to physically die. But if you got to the end of this one precious sacred life and you didn't get to dance freely, it's not going to put you to your grave early, but would you feel Would you feel like a part of you was unwell or a part of you really didn't get to thrive? And I think that seeing desires as needs of my heart or desires as needs of my soul allows me to like drop the self-judgment about wanting something and to think of it as like, oh, this is what my soul wants. Like my soul reincarnated, my soul decided to have a human body so that I could have a human experience. And so it's okay. It's okay for me to want to travel, to go to places I've never been. Will I literally die? Do I need it? Yes, actually. Yeah. It's a need of my soul. I like that. Because to me, I was thinking, like, as you were talking, I'm going, that's a want, isn't it? But I kind of get what you're saying. Like, I don't know if I can exist in a world where it's not feeling as though there is some kind of stimulus And seeing the world is something that does feed my soul, like meeting other like cultures and people. Like I get what you say. Yeah, it does. It feeds your soul. I understand, Jamila. Yes. Makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, it makes sense. So I say all that to say, you know, it's okay. Like I don't think our desires always have to have like a benevolent intention, but I think that us being fulfilled and sort of radiating, like when we have like an abundance of life force energy, because like our needs are met and our desires are fulfilled. You know, my friend Sadi Simone says, you become a blessings factory, that there's this kind of radiance that just you walk into a room and like you are a blessing just because of, you know, your vibration is high and like your life force is strong. And that is, I mean, you don't have to effort to do that. That just is what it is. You know, when someone walks into a room and you're like, just inspired by their presence or just like, you know, there's something about them that just feels like, mm, you know, it's like that you can, you can just be a blessing. You can, you don't have to do to bless people. You can be oh, a I blessing. And I think us having the needs of our heart is, is one way that we can sort of make ourselves just like a walking, living, breathing blessing to all. So as we're going into this year and we're, we're looking at New Year's resolutions and again, we want to go with what's in. Yes. We want to go with the what's in it. We're trendy people here. Yeah. So <laughs> if we were going in, I do feel as though, okay, I had been watching a lot on your breath work and I had started incorporating it into my life. And it's very funny. Um, I think you mentioned something about doing it before you have an important conversation or confronting someone that might be a little bit problematic and taking a moment to just take those few simple breaths. It's not even complicated. And it was fascinating how I was suddenly brought into the present. Mm -hmm. A lot of my anxiety was taken away. And when I was able to talk to the person, it was through a filter of peace in many ways. 
And so in doing our New Year's resolutions and we're going for it, we're going for it, which is great. How do we keep ourselves grounded? This feels like one of the things that I've like, it feels so purposeful to be able to share this tool because it's, I mean, one of the first things we do when we're born is breathe. And it's so familiar to us. And it's such a powerful tool that we just have like in our pocket that we can just use, you know, it's like teaching people to harness the power of this tool. And a lot of us hold our breath yes. and don't even realize it. That's and right. we're not utilizing it. Yes, exactly. So this is how I, I kind of frame why it's important to be able to be with your breath and to regulate your nervous system, really, which is why the breath is so helpful in those moments is because you're actually physiologically bringing your body back to homeostasis. So you're bringing your body back down to a balanced place. And I always give people these two metaphors. If you were to think about yourself in like a beautiful Zen garden, right? There's maybe a fountain, little birds chirping, beautiful flowers. It smells like jasmine or lavender. It's gorgeous. You're in this garden and you're writing a poem or solving a puzzle. Right, thinking about how you might write a poem or solve a puzzle in the garden is very different from thinking about if the room around you were on fire and you were trying to write a poem or solve a puzzle. <laughs> so a lot of <laughs> I, I have this thing about visualizing. I'm a very bit like Do you imagination. See you I'm see like it? dying right now. Do you yeah, see it? I'm seeing it. I mean, I'm that it. is that is why meditation is important. Meditation creates the garden in your mind. Our brains function differently when they're calm. When our bodies feel safe, our choices are different. And so our emotions impact our choices. If we feel safe, we make different choices than if we feel scared. And so being able to create the conditions in your internal world for you to show up in your best. It's just like, it's the difference of the poem or the puzzle in the garden versus the burning room. With every deep breath, you sort of like put out a flame, put out a flame, plant a flower, you know, put out a flame, plant a flower. And so you cultivate, you know, they call it the garden of your mind. And it's really not just the mind. I think people think of meditation and breath work as this kind of, it's a mental health practice. But actually, it's working with your nervous system to actually train and rewire your nervous system so that your baseline is different, so that you're, you're operating from a place of grounded awareness. And that's the place that you might, you're not always going to stay there, right? <laughs> Let's be honest. But that becomes the baseline. And so it's easier to return to your baseline if you're practicing that. So you can sort of attune yourself. I like to think of, you know, taking mindful breaths as a way that I kind of like tune my little radio dial or sort of set, it's like setting the thermometer, you know, setting the the thermostat in my house. If I can in the morning take three deep belly breaths, that's setting the the thermostat of my inner world, of my my ability to show up um, in a grounded, centered, present way. And so you know, there might be things that sort of disrupt it throughout the day, but that's what I've set it to. So it's easy to return. It's like if you were to set your house to, you know, 70 degrees and you might open a window, it might shift a little, but then you can sort of like return it to whatever 
temperature you set. Before you start sweating. Right. Exactly. <laughs> or, or shivering. Right. right. It's that balance. It's the centered place. And this is very interesting because a lot of times we want to hit our goals. We want to like set those resolutions. Again, you were speaking about how a lot of times they come from a place of not worthiness or mm -hmm. feeling like you have to solve something in your life when you know, you're wonderful the way you are. But with the resolution, I keep thinking there are a lot of things that when we're chasing that, that doesn't make us feel safe. Sometimes it's our own selves because we don't trust ourselves and we don't feel safe. So what you're saying is that with that breath work, aside from the mental aspect of taking that moment to yourself, physiologically, it's like working out. It's like lifting up 10 pounds and trying to get like some muscle somewhere. You're creating a new pathway for you to feel safe. That's right. I freaking love that. That's right. <laughs> and our brains are designed to perceive new experiences as dangerous. Our brain is like a library, a library of how to keep you safe. We're like, oh, how do we know not to touch a hot thing? because we burned ourselves one time and our brain logged that experience. And so now we go next to a hot thing, but we don't get too hot. So if there's an experience, something we've never done before, your brain is looking in the library, scanning, scanning, scanning. How do I keep this person safe? How do I keep you safe? And there's no record because you've never done it. So it is normal mm -hmm. and natural for the brain to start activating safety signals. That's why children have stranger danger. Because our brains are designed for us to fear the unknown so that we don't walk into the darkness and get eaten by a lion. You know, so we don't run away from our moms when we're two years old. So that function is still operating when we're setting goals. If it's a new thing, we've never done it, your brain is going to alert you to danger. And so when you can say, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for that information. I'm actually safe then we don't have to live in avoidance of danger because we think, ooh, risky. Like it feels risky, right? Going after new, you know, new goals or dreams or doing, trying new things. It kind of feels in the body, feels dangerous. And that is appropriate and normal. And I feel like ever since 2020, and it keeps on, it feels as though it's building and building and building. I almost feel like so many humans on this planet are being trained to find danger in so many different things yes. that our anxiety levels are so high and the symptoms that go along with it, we're automatically going into that fight or flight. And there has to be a way of deprogramming that because if we don't, you're right, like going after something you genuinely want is going to feel as though you're in danger. So yeah, being able to regulate that and be able to pull it into, no, this yeah. is a great opportunity. This yes. is a great experience yes. and be grounded. Oh, this is so being incorporated into my life. Yes, yes, <laughs> New yes. Year's resolutions, yes. here I come. <laughs> <laughs> I am so grateful you came today. Like this was such a great conversation and really New Year's could be a great time to invite a new intention. And I really hope that everybody takes something from this podcast that is really going to propel you into the most amazing 2024. 
Thank you for coming on, Jamila. Thank you so much for having me. It's a joy. And may all of our wishes and dreams come true. Thank you all for listening to What's In with Olaplex. We'll be back with new and exciting episodes in the new year. So from all of us here at What's In Podcast, we wish you all a wonderful holiday season and a happy new year. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Frank. What's In with Olaplex is produced in partnership with Olaplex and Frequency Media. Lizzie Stewart is our producer. Sara Naz Babayi is our associate producer. And Michelle Corey is our executive producer. These episodes are recorded and mixed by Claire Bidegary-Curtis, Development and Strategy by Jessica Olivier, and Sara Naz Babayi. Thank you.